Yes, sir, and welcome, welcome, welcome to episode six of the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, here to give you guys another episode about the NBA. Still moving, still grooving here with the NBA on hiatus. Um, the country overall, uh, that ban got extended to the 30th of, of April, and with more news that comes out, it appears that things are going to be... Um, not looking as optimistic as they were in the beginning, but I mean, that's that's everyone wanting things to get back to normal. So everyone, please stay huddled. Please continue to stay in your homes. Um, only go out when necessary. And let's do our best to, to do our part and keep trying to fight this thing. And then hopefully we can get back to our lives, uh, our normal lives sooner rather than later. So I got a couple topics that I want to go ahead and get into for today's podcast. And the first one, I was I was I was playing around with some ideas in my head, and um, the two I'm going to talk about in this episode are the ones that um, they just caught my they caught my eye for some reason. I felt like these would be interesting topics to talk about. First off, thank you again to everybody who's listening. Um, the platform is Anchor that uh, puts out these podcasts. I appreciate them giving me the opportunity to do this. Um, go into my bio, um, at L Pinkney on Instagram and Twitter, L P I N K N E E, um, hit the description. It'll tell you how you can listen to it, whether it's through Apple anchor itself, Spotify, um, get a chance to review, like rate, um, the podcast, please do so. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, let's go ahead and get into this first topic. So when I'm talking about or with this first topic I was wondering in my head five years from now who are going to be the top five players in the game now if you look at it now um there's probably seven or eight guys right now you could argue are the best player in the game there's Giannis um LeBron Kawhi um Harden when healthy Steph and KD um, those are kind of the guys that get thrown around. Anthony Davis, those are the guys that get thrown around as the, the best players in the game. Luka has inserted himself into that conversation recently. He's been an MVP candidate this year. Um, all those guys are operating in their prime. They're doing really well, and obviously they're the best in the game right now. But it got me thinking, in five years from now, a lot of those guys are going to be older, starting to hit the, the tail ends of their prime. Are they really still going to be considered the the top of the top players in the game. Now, everyone isn't going to be LeBron being 35 years of age and still being in the conversation of best player in the league. So it happens in more, more careers, unfortunately, and shorter than you think. Um, this stuff kind of just happens. It's like the Carmelo thing when he got traded to OKC. Um, he was coming off a down year with the Knicks, but everyone still expected him to be to a solid third wheel and a guy who could could get you a bucket and then the wheel started to fall off and then he got traded and traded and thank goodness he landed on his feet in Portland so he could just finally be in a situation where they're not asking him to do too much they're just asking him to score and that's it um but the the fall from grace for our favorite athletes usually happens quicker than than we want or anticipate so 
as just a, a nugget for everyone, I always tell people like, we we hate, we debate, we do all this stuff, but enjoy these guys while they're here. Um, Steph Curry's going to be 32 soon or is 32 already. Um, and he's probably been the most exciting player I've seen um, in, the 20, in the 2010s. And his prime's going to be ending soon, so I know I'm going to be trying to watch as many uh, Steph games as I possibly can. Uh, from here on out, um, so I I want to make sure that those guys, the ones that are starting to get up there, LeBron, I mean LeBron's great, but he's not going to be this great forever. So please enjoy him while he's still playing his game. Um, maybe the greatest ever, probably the second best ever. So just please enjoy these guys while they're still playing. Um, it's it's not going to be around forever. So getting around to the topic. I had some guys I, I had to consider um, honorable mentions. I would I would name them. There was Kawhi. Um, by this time in 2025, it's crazy to say that 2025, he's gonna be 33 years old. I don't know what team he's gonna be on. Most likely the Clippers, but he has that two-year option on him, so maybe he leaves. But he did a lot to orchestrate his way into LA. He's probably gonna stay with the Clippers. He just likes being home. But at 33 years old, with the kind of injury concerns that he has, he has to load manage. I hate the argument that people try to say that he's just taking games off. He's doing it because he's trying to manage his body, and he feels like that's the best way to do it. I don't know why people complain so much. It's just one guy. But anyway, he'll be 33 years old. I don't know if he'll be considered in the top five by that, by that time. Same thing with Paul George. He's going to be 34. Um, I don't think he's going to be there either. Paul George has his own injury concerns. He's never really been considered a top five player. He had maybe a shot last year before his shoulders got hurt when he was playing probably the best basketball of his career. But I don't think Paul George is going to be there. You got James Harden, who's going to be 35 at that time. I don't know what's going to happen to him. Everyone thought... Well, if you even just liken it to someone like Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson had a good stretch from when he was drafted 96 all the way up through about 08-ish, um, and that's when he turned about 32, 33. Um, when he got traded from Denver to Detroit, that was kind of probably, that was when everything pretty much was over for him. That's a good 12, 13-year stretch. James Harden's going to be going on way past that, and his defensive game is something that's always been something to be uh, less than desired. Um, but he's going to be able to score. So uh, top five player by that time, I don't think so, but he'll still probably be able to score by then. So um, just not in the conversation yet. Kevin Durant, he'll be 36. It's crazy to think Katie will be 36, but that's pretty much ending the Dunzo part of his prime. Um I think KD's going to be averaging at least 20 until he's done, though, so it's not like he's going to fall off the cliff, but he won't be that elite athlete no more. Carl Anthony Towns was someone that I really wanted to consider. Um, it's just tough with him because he plays negative defense, and it's really hard to <laughs> consider someone who whose offensive game isn't enough to lift a team because of his defensive shortcomings, so... He'll only be 29 at that time. He'll be smack dab in the middle of his prime. Um, but I, I didn't want to consider him. And then Jokic, same thing. I 
That's my guy. I love Jokic. He'll be 30 at that time. But defensively, even though he's a he's he should get more credit than he deserves as a team defender. He's not going to block anybody's shot. He but he's really good at coming off screens and funneling guys to help. That's probably the best thing he does defensively, but other than that, he's not a good defender. Um but offensively he'll be brilliant. His offensive game will um carry him into his mid to late 30s. Um, he can play for as long as he wants to. He doesn't get off the ground to begin with anyway. So he has an act, he actually has a game that will translate to uh, longevity. Um, in terms of him being a top five player, I don't think so. He's in conversations right now. He's already all NBA first team last year. So um, if he can make one more leap, then maybe by next year or the year after that, you can start talking about him. So those are some guys I was going to consider. But now I'm going to go ahead and get into my list of the guys who I really think are going to be in the top five um, when we're talking about people five years from now um, in 2025. So first off, I'm going to start with Anthony Davis. So AD is going to be 31 years old. Um, the only concerns with Anthony Davis at this point are injuries because if other than that, he's an, inc- an incredible two-way player for the Los Angeles Lakers right now. Um, he's a beast defensively. He's totally turned that team around, uh, defensively. His effort is the reason why that team is a top five defense this year. Um, and he can score from anywhere on the court, um, at 6'10", 6'11". He's really rangy, got long arms, um, plays incredible defense. I mean, there's nothing that he can't do on the court. Uh, uh, he's just got to stay healthy. Um, and if he stays healthy up through age 31, um, his offensive skill set and his defensive ability is going to be more than enough to carry him into the top five, five years from now. So I got Anthony Davis in there right now. And number four, I'm going to go ahead and go with Jason Tatum. Um, he'll be 26 by this time. Um, and if he continues to play the, the, the way that he did these past two months um, when the season was still going on, he's definitely going to be there. Um, he was averaging 30 in the month of, of February. He was showing incredible offensive ability, um, being able to come off screens, um, and not just make plays for himself, but start, you can start to see the wheels turning in terms of, oh, I get a double team. I'll make this drop off pass. I'm a drive baseline. I got a guy in the corner, um, drifting if I, if I need to make a play, um, and then offensively, one-on-one, he's starting to become unstoppable. The dribble moves at his size um, are incredibly impressive, and the jump shot's always been there, and he's finally extending that to three-point range. Last year, he kind of fell back into the Kobe bag and tried to shoot a lot more mid-range shots, but um, this year in Boston, uh, extended his range, and with that kind of play, along with him being a good defender as well, um He's got all the talent in the world, and I think it's going to come to fruition eventually, and he's going to be a top five player five years from now. So that's number four. Checking in at number three, I'm going to go ahead and pick Zion Williamson. Um, he's 6'7". That's what he's listed. He's probably like 6'6". Six, six. Um, listed at 280. Uh, kids got um, incredible athleticism. Everybody knows that. 
Um, but it's it's all the other parts of his game that are going to turn him into a top five player in five years. Defensively, right now, he he's just lost. It's not that he doesn't show effort. Um, you can you can see that he hustles. Um, he probably doesn't dive for stuff as much because he's probably told by his team not to do that because they just want him to stay healthy. But um, the hustle is there. You can see when he blocks shots how high he gets up off the ground. Um, but the defensive versatility is going to be there once he gets more reps, once he starts seeing more pick and rolls in the NBA, uh, starts learning to hedge, switch, help off the screens. Um, he's going to be a better player on that end of the floor offensively. He barely knows what he's doing, and he's still averaging 22 a night. Um, pretty much all on effort and an incredibly quick first step. If you know, if you just don't, if you just watch his highlights, don't look for the dunks. Don't look for any of that stuff. Just see how he catches the ball mid post. He'll do a quick face up. He's left handed, so he'll usually jab left, go right, and then try to finish back with the left hand, um, or come off with a spin move. And nobody wants to get in his way. He moves incredibly quick for his size. And if you saw 6'6", 280 coming at you, don't matter how big you are in the league, ain't nobody trying to take that in the chest. So um, offensively, he's doing all that without a reliable jump shot. Still averaging 22 a game, getting most of his shots in the paint. So imagine five years from now when he's going to be able to handle the ball a little bit more. Um, That jump shot's going to get better. Um, He'll still probably have good amounts of athleticism. Um, you can comp him to Blake. Blake, by his fifth, sixth year in the league, was still yamming, but it wasn't as crazy as it was his first two years when he was just literally trying to dunk everything, and that's what ended up getting him hurt. Um, and it's unfortunately affected him now. But in terms of Zion, you got to think his game's going to round out by then. Um, he can already pass really well. Um, he has good court vision. He'll make a good bounce pass up the court. Um, double team comes he knows how to make the drop off so um, by that time we'll just have a better understanding of how things are going in the game and I think by that time he's going to be a top five player in the game so I'm gonna go number three Zion Williamson number two top five players in the game 2025 we're still rocking with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis will only be 31 by this time, which is, it just makes no sense, but he'll only be 31. He's averaging 30 and 14 this year. Most likely would have been the most likely would have been the MVP, according to me, would have been the MVP for sure. He's probably going to get another one by that time, and he'll still be considered one of the best players in the game. And by that time, he'll I think he'll have a decent jump shot. I don't think Giannis is ever going to have a good jump shot. I think he'll get to the point by the time he's 31 to where he'll start hitting those fadeaway 15-footers. Um, so he can at least give himself a little more space to, to operate. Right now, he does handle the ball some, but if you get him, if you get him north and south um, and wall him up, kind of like what Toronto did in the playoffs, um, and you get him spinning and holding instead of him spinning in order to score, he gets stuck. And um, that's the uh, that's the part of his offensive game that still needs work. And with a, a credible mid-range jump shot, at least, it'll give him more room to operate 
um, on the offensive side of the court um, to where he doesn't just have to put his head down all the time and and try to finish through people, Um, even though it's incredibly effective right now. Having that jump shot is going to be something that just unlocks his entire game, and I think by then he'll be okay. Three-point shooting is going to be, it is what it is. You can see the way he shoots right now. It's just, it's a stunted release. Um, It's not really smooth, but um, he's so good inside. He shoots such a great percentage inside, and he's such a great player on both ends of the floor. He plays incredible defense, might be the best player. He's probably the best defender in the league. Him and Anthony Davis would fight for that title, but... Um, in, in 2025, he's still going to be up there with with uh, some of the greats in the game. Uh, I have no doubt about that. His work ethic, um, the way he approaches the game, offensively, defensively, he's still going to be there. And I feel like the jump shot's going to improve by then. So Giannis, number two. Now, these rankings aren't in regards to who I think will be the, like, like, I think Giannis will be the second best player. I'm just saying these guys are going to be in the top five, regardless of what the order is going to be. So um, that's where I'm coming from with this. And the last person I'm going to mention is, I think it's pretty obvious. It's going to be Luka Doncic. Um, love Luka. Loved him coming out of the draft. Don't understand why people didn't. Dude was the MVP in the second best league in the world at age 18. Um, was playing against men for four years before that um, and dominating the second best league in the world. Um, Sacramento, just 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 off yourself. Phoenix, off yourself. There's no reason y'all should have passed on him, but it is what it is. Luke is going to be incredible for Dallas for years to come. And, and Peep, he's only going to be 25 years old in 2025. So probably just entering his prime. And he's already averaging twenty nine nine and nine. So the the kid's special. Everyone knows it. Um, in terms of things, he's gonna have to improve on defensively. He's just got to be a better team defender. Um, pay attention more to the scouting reports. The guys you got to figure out who you're gonna sag off, play under, go over on the screens, things like that. Um, he'll never be. He probably won't be a great defender ever. But if he can turn himself into a good team defender. His offensive output is going to be so great that um, it's going to overcome anything that he lacks defensively. So he's a savant on the offensive side of the court. He makes the skip pass. He's probably only there's only two or three or four guys in the league who make that pass coming off the screen and roll and hitting a guy in a corner. LeBron can make that pass. Harden can make that pass. Um, Chris Paul can make that pass. Um, there's a couple guys in the league who are smart enough to think two steps ahead of the play and make that pass. Luca's only 20 right now, and he's already making that play. By the time he's 25, it's going to be routine. Um, probably going to be averaging a triple-double by then if he's already at 29-9-9. and um, Sky's the limits for this kid. Um, once him and Chris Stapps finally get that chemistry going, they finally started to towards the end of this 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 last stretch here in the NBA, so in, in 2025. Um, who knows who the teammates will be by then, but, um, Luca, no question is going to be a top five player in the game. So that's who I got. Luca, Giannis, Zion, Jason Tatum, Anthony Davis, your top five, five years from now in the year 2025.
All right, so now let's go ahead and move on to the second topic here. Um, this is something I was thinking about doing a couple weeks ago. Um, just didn't get to it. I had to get my, my stuff off for the Nuggets last week. Uh, appreciate everybody for listening to that. Um, but I'm going to start. Uh, I don't know if I'll keep doing this with different draft classes, but I wanted to do this one because it was it was just interesting to me. And I feel like a five-year mark is a good spot to go ahead and start judging these drafts because you get guys who might have been traded once or twice, might not have been in the best situation the first time, get a second opportunity. Sometimes they flourish, sometimes they don't. Um, and the guys who were good right away are the ones who stay good right away, um, usually. So, um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and analyze and and look back at the 2015 NBA draft, um, see how things panned out for these guys, see who's going to be around, who we're going to be watching for the next couple of years. And some of the guys who are most likely out of the league or guys that we won't be seeing, um, in the league pretty soon. So. I'm going to go ahead and, and start. I'm going to go just do the lottery, going 1 through 14. Um, and then we're going to go from there. So here we go. Number one. The number one overall pick in the 2015 draft was Carl Anthony Towns out of Kentucky. Um, and nobody saw the kind of jump Cat was going to make once he entered the league. There was a, a, a very strong debate um, between which big man you should pick, either Jaleel Okafor or Carl Anthony Towns, um, and people were leaning towards Towns just because of the jump shot, and they saw the versatility there. Um, and Minnesota picked right um, as soon as he was, as soon as he was able to get to the league. That's when his game just unlocked. Uh, he won the Rookie of the Year um, and has already become a two-time All Star. Um, his defense is is god awful. It's he's has a, a career defensive BPM of zero. I mean, and he's had a couple of years where it's been in the negatives. Uh, defensive BPM is defensive box plus minus. It's just a advanced stat that measures how good you are in the box score, and it measures it out defensively. There's OPPM as well, defensive win shares, offensive win shares. But defense, defensive box plus minus is a pretty good measure of how good a guy is defensively, and having a zero, just to say it's not good. Um but everything else he does is pretty much top-notch for a big man. Six, uh, 6'11", some consider him 7 feet, I think. Um, he has career averages of 23 and 12 and shoots 39% from three. Um, prototypical big man for the league now. A guy who can face up, step out, hit the jump shot from three, as well as get to the basket, um, make a good play um, with the pass, finish at the rim. And he's athletic, so offensively he can do no wrong. Defensively is where he really needs to pick up his game. I had that previous topic of the top five. If he wants to jump into that top five, then he has to become a better defender. If he comes a defender, better defender, he's going to be in that top five five years from now. But that's the one thing that he has to do because his defense is is, is as bad as it gets for a big man. If you watch him play defensively, it doesn't make sense for him to be that bad. He lets guys get open shots. Um, people drive around him uh, without contesting. It doesn't make sense. Um, but, and that kind of, it goes into why Minnesota has been so bad over the past couple of years is because for as great as he is offensively, if you're giving up just as many buckets on the defensive side of the court, then it really doesn't matter at that point. So, uh, 
if Cat can go ahead and clean up his his stuff defensively, um, I can see Minnesota go ahead and doing some things in the future. Um, what's most likely going to happen is probably going to be Anthony Davis syndrome is what I'm calling it. About two or three years from now, he's going to probably ask for a trade after Minnesota's gone through their third straight losing season. And I'm going to end up seeing a bunch of photoshops of him in Lakers uniforms and I'm going to be thrown up in my mouth because of it because it happens every single time. Any kind of player is deemed quote-unquote available. Um, I can already see that coming. So that's what most likely is going to happen. So I have no hope with that. The number two pick in the draft of 2015 was D'Angelo Russell out of Ohio State. Um, really highly talented point guard out of out of Ohio State. He was supposed to be the next great uh, Lakers point guard until he had that situation with Nick Young. Um, and ended up getting traded to Brooklyn, and it honestly was the best thing that happened to him. It ended up opening other parts of his game. He was able to grow his game in a in a place that didn't have that L.A. spotlight. It is New York, but it's Brooklyn. It's not the Knicks, and they're not winning, so not a lot of attention is going to be on you there. And honestly, it was the best thing that happened to his game. He became a first-time All-Star last year for Brooklyn, um, averaged 21-7 and that year for the Nets, um, and genuinely made that Nets team fun. Um, offensively, you can pretty much do everything outside of having like supreme athleticism. He's a great pick-and-roll operator, good passer, can shoot from all areas of the court, nice three-point shooter, doesn't play fast, but he plays at a really good pace, and he's able to make plays for his teammates as well. Um, probably relies on the floater a little too much, but, I mean, he averages 22 a night. Um, so can't really argue with him there too much. You'd want him to get to the free throw line more, but it is what it is. Um, he doesn't play any defense either. So him and Carl Anthony Towns paired together isn't going to, um, they aren't going to be stopping anybody anytime soon. So if Minnesota wants to win, they're going to have to build that team with, with some strong defenders on the perimeter and inside in order to make up for the other guys. But D'Angelo being at two, definitely worth the pick. Um, you can't say it was a mistake by the Lakers. They have Anthony Davis and LeBron now, and Russell wasn't going to be on the team with those guys being there. So um, he was almost there this year. They were considering signing him in the off season, but um, that sign and trade ended up happening with Brooklyn and Golden State. And he's been traded twice in the past year, but his talents there. He was an All Star last year, and he's probably where he belongs right now. So um, I like his game. Uh, as long as Minnesota builds a, a good team defensively around those guys, I think they can they can make some noise. So, um, D'Angelo Russell, um, no question, definitely worth that number two pick. Number three on the list is going to be Jaleel Okafor, uh, center out of Duke. Um, quintessential throwback player, traditional post, back-to-the-basket kind of guy. He was going to bring back old-school basketball. Um, he was on that title-winning Duke team. And he averaged 17-7 and seven in his rookie year, and things were looking up for him. But after that point, everything just went down the drain, pretty much. He started getting hurt more often. Um, he came in with some weight issues, and then he ended up losing out his minutes and his spot to Joel Embiid once Joel Embiid started to get healthy. Um, and then his shortcomings on defense started to get highlighted more and more. Um, that became the main focus of his game. It was just hard for him to stay on the court. Um his biggest asset was him scoring in the post, and he can obviously still do that. He's trimmed down. He can still score. 
with his back to the basket, but it's not something that happens in the league much anymore. Um, unfortunately for him, he just came in at the, the wrong time. Uh, if he came in at like 05, um, that would have been the perfect time for him. He would have been like a, a better Al Jefferson pretty much. Um, he doesn't rebound well. Um, doesn't really shoot from the perimeter either. His percentages from the free throw line are bad. Um, so it, it just kind of sucks that he came around at the wrong time. Um, he's just a he's just a relic of a past time. If he learns to um, play, if he learns to play better defense, it's funny to say that. But yeah, if he picks it up defensively, he can probably still be a backup big in this league for sure. Um, and start to hit some perimeter jump shots, improve that free throw percentage. He can probably find a spot as a backup in this league still, but um, those times of him trying to be that old school big, bringing back that game to the league are pretty much over now. With the number four pick in the 2015 NBA draft, the New York Knicks select the Porzing God, a.k.a. 7-3 Mafia, a.k.a. the Unicorn, my guy Chris Stapps, Porzingis, my dude came out the league averaging 18, or not came out the league, but he has career averages of 18, 8, and 2 blocks a game while shooting 36, uh, 36% from 3 for his career. I mean, he was the brief, shining, flickering light for the Knicks um, for four seasons. He played... Um, he played really good basketball for them, and he was the pretty much the only attraction once Melo got traded. Um, he was even going to be an all-star in 2018. He was voted all to the team and unfortunately tore his ACL before he could play in the game. Um, and he finally started picking that back up. He missed the entire 19th season, but you could see this this last stretch, the second half after the all-star break, he started to find his groove with, with Luka Moore, and he was averaging 19-9. and nine. And You can see him start to get more comfortable. It usually takes a year after that. ACL surgery to feel more comfortable and he started to do that so um sky limit still uh the sky's the limit in terms of potential for him still 7-3 forward center who can play defense shoot from the perimeter finish at the basket he's just he's just skinny but other than that he can do everything else for a big on the court that you'd want um you want him to rebound a little bit better but other than that um, he's definitely one of the, he's definitely a perfect pair for Luca, a pick and roll partner who can pop sometimes roll, um, hit mid range shots, um, big target for alley oops and things like that. So, um, it just, and also just shows how incompetent the Knicks continue to be. They had him in his back, they had him in their backyard. They could have signed him to the extension. They were trying to make the quick fix and get Kyrie and Kevin this year, and obviously that didn't happen. Um, but even then they could have signed those guys first. They had his bird rights. They could have found a way to make it work, but the Knicks decided to take a couple of mid round picks and give up one of the most unique talents the league has seen in the last five, 10 years. So good job, New York. Um, way to mess things up again. Shout out to Mark Cuban for always thinking ahead. And now he's got two international stars to replace, replace Dirk. So shout out to Dallas, shout out to Chris Stapps, number four. Number five on the list is going to be Mario Hazonia. He was a 6'8 athletic forward from Croatia. He was supposed to be a, a really good 3 and D guy for the for the Magic. 
things just didn't work out for him. He ended up getting traded and moved on to Portland, then the Knicks. Um, his career highlights so far is when LeBron tried to hit a game-winning shot. Hazonia actually blocked his shot, and you can see the picture of him pointing at him, which is actually pretty funny. But um, he came in with a reputation of having of being like an aggressive, um, hard-nosed guy with a lot of confidence, and he definitely has the confidence, but he just doesn't have the game to match. Um, he's averaged seven points a game uh, for his career. Already played on three teams already. Um, and more likely than not, it looks like Europe's going to be calling him soon. That uh, next contract in the NBA probably isn't going to happen. Number six, we got Willie Cauley-Stein of the Sacramento Kings. Big man got drafted out of Kentucky. Um, Kings had high hope for him, but it just didn't pan out. Now, he played okay in his last two years in SAC, averaging 12-7 and seven a night. Um but what hurt Willie is kind of also what hurt um, Jaleel. He's pretty much Jaleel with, that, with athleticism and, well, actually, let me rephrase that. Um, he compares to Jaleel in terms of the game changing. So Willie is a solid defender, and he can finish at the rim because he's athletic. So he's a nice alley-oop target. But his offensive game is limited. He doesn't shoot jump shots. Free throw percentage is bad. Um, and unless you're a serious tear defensively and on the boards, if you're not like a Rudy Gobert type, it's just hard for you to find time on the floor. Even Rudy Gobert has time, hard times staying on the floor when teams go small. So the Warriors tried to give him a flyer this year and they signed him to a two year before shipping him off to Dallas because Dallas lost, uh, Dwight Powell. Um, if he wants to go ahead and if he wants to stick around in this league, he's going to have to start ramping that energy up. He's going to have to try to open up his game more offensively. Um, otherwise, China's probably end up calling him. Uh, China's going to probably end up calling him. So uh, we'll see with Willie. I'm not. I'm not really high on him. He. He's another guy. He's like Tyson Chandler. If, like he got drafted in like oh five oh six, he would have been that Tyson Chandler type of player. But he's just uh, he just doesn't really fit with today's NBA. Number seven, near and dear to my heart, uh, the Denver Nuggets selected Emmanuel Mudiay. Um, my guy went overseas instead of going to SMU where he originally committed to to play for Larry Brown. Not sure if it's a mistake or not. He was still the seventh overall pick, but. Um, it might have helped him out, actually, because the, the tape overseas didn't really um, it didn't really show the holes in his game that would be shown uh, once he entered the NBA. He averaged 13-5 and five as a rookie, which is solid, but he had bad percentages all across the board, and that's been his Achilles heel ever since he's been in the league, his shooting. He shot 36% from the field, 67% from the line, and 32% from three in his rookie year. And when it became clear that Jamal Murray was going to end up being the lead guard for this team, uh, Moody got shipped off to New York. And he actually had a baby renaissance there. He averaged 14 a night and ended up getting a minimum deal from the Jazz. But since he's played on the Jazz, he's only averaged 15 minutes a night. It's not looking good for him either. Um, he's a really cool guy. Um, when he was on the Nuggets, he was he was also always a good teammate. Um, and from the outside looking in, he, he looked like he was a 
a cool guy to hang around, a good locker room guy. So I'm rooting for him. Um, but unless the jump shot really improves, um, it's going to be hard for him to stick around in this league. He's still a 6'5 point guard with athleticism and can play defense. But unless that jump shot improves, um, there's just not going to be a spot for him in the league. Number eight, um, the eighth overall pick in this draft was Stanley Johnson out of out of Arizona. Uh, got drafted by the Pistons. Now, my guy was a highly touted recruit out of Modern Day High School in California um, and was a really solid player at Arizona. Incredibly athletic um, guy who could really finish at the rim. Um, but with like a lot of these guys on the list, his Achilles heel was shooting. Um and the fact that he stayed around the league this long is pretty much due to the fact that he's on cheap contracts. But his ability to shoot is just absolutely abysmal. He sh- he shoots 37% from the field. I'm not talking about 37% from three. He shoots 37% from the field and only 29% behind the arc. That's just not going to stick. You're not going to be around in the league much longer shooting those kind of percentages. Toronto... Uh, God bless him, threw him out a deal. And shout out to Stanley Johnson's agent. Thank God the deal has a player option for him because if it didn't, he'd probably be out of the league after this season. So honestly, shout out Stanley Johnson's agent for getting him that contract. Most likely he's got one more year left in this league unless something drastically changes. The number nine pick in the 2015 draft was... Uh, went to Charlotte and they selected Frank Kaminsky. Frank the Tank out of Wisconsin has averaged 10 and 4 while shooting 35% from three since he entered the league. Um, he's been hit with the injury bug a little bit as of late. He only played in 47 games last year for the Charlotte Hornets and for Phoenix this year. He's only played in 32. Um, essentially, he's just a big, slow white dude who. Doesn't really shoot that well from three. Uh, Not enough to where he makes up for his shortcomings on defense. Doesn't play any defense, really. He doesn't rebound at a high enough rate for his position. Um, He was coming off that really good Final Four run with with the Wisconsin Badgers, and that's pretty much where his value lied. But ever since entering the league, it it just pretty much shows that... um, He's probably not going to be a guy that ends up sticking around once that contract expires. He's most likely done. Number 10, we have our second Blue Devil selected here. Number 10, the Miami Heat selected Justice Winslow. Now, a lot of people, including myself, liked this pick. Um, Coming out of Duke, he was on that title-winning team and showed incredible versatility at 6'7". Could handle the ball. Even for Miami a couple years ago, they moved into point guard. They saw his versatility and ability to play, make plays. Um, and he's good. Like He's a solid basketball player, but his biggest problem is just staying healthy. Um, since his second year, these are his games played. They are as follows. 18, 66, 68, and 11. So, I mean, your best ability is your availability. And... Um, while when he plays, he is a decent player. He's just not a guy who can who can stay on the court, unfortunately. So 
even Miami couldn't wait for him anymore. They eventually traded him off to to Memphis, and um, who knows what his role is going to be once he once they start ramping up NBA activity again. But he has the talent. Um, I expect him to get another deal just because he is talented, six seven forward who can make plays, shoot a little bit, and, and finish inside. Um, but in order for him to untap that or hit, get to that untapped potential, he just has to stay on the court. And I'm pulling for him. I hope he stays on the court um, and he can finally show what he can he can truly do for uh, for a basketball team. The 11th overall pick went to the Indiana Pacers, and they selected Miles Turner. He was drafted out of Texas. Um, Texas always finds a way to get centers for some reason. But ever since he's been drafted, he's always been an enigma. He's everything you'd want in a modern big man, guy who can block shots, shoot from the perimeter, um, score in different facets. He's a solid two-way player. Um he gets two blocks per game for his career and shoots 35% from three. So kind of similar to the guys like we talked about before, Carl Anthony Towns, Chris Dabbs, Porzingis, those kind of guys. But since he's entered the league, he's yet to average more than 14.5 points a night. And that 14.5 came in his second season. He's in his fifth year now. And with Demontis Sabonis playing so well for Indiana, he's been relegated to bench duty pretty much. Now, the Pacers haven't given up on him, and that's evidenced by the four-year, $72 million extension that they gave him. But I believe that's more that was done more in terms of protecting the asset that he is as a player um, instead of just letting him walk, restricted free agency, um, and potentially having to pay more. You see the talent. You see the flashes, but it's the consistency. That's what separates good okay players from great players the guys who end up doing it night in night out and miles turner is he just always leaves you wanting more he's that guy you see the potential just oozing off of him but um for some reason he just doesn't put it together so i feel like that contract extension he ended up getting was more in terms of protecting the asset it's a very tradable deal 18 million dollars in today's nba is a very tradable contract and if he because they already have Sabonis, so if Indiana ends up trading him and filling out the rest of their roster, I feel like that would make a lot more sense than just having this guy make 18 mil off the bench and, and keep playing for you. So that's what I think. I still think he's a solid player. Um, he's just a, a frustrating guy to to watch play because you see so much potential in him. You hope he eventually gets in the right situation, maybe like a Charlotte or a Cleveland, a team that's not really looking to win too much, is able to feature him a little more and He's able to have his game open up a little more and flourish. So that's probably the best thing for him is to just get traded and then um, see how his game can grow from there. Alrighty, we're at the last three here. The last three picks of the lottery. Number 12 uh, for the Utah Jazz was Trey Lyles. Now, Trey Lyles was a, a guy who also played for Kentucky, another Wildcat here. Um he was projected to be a solid stretch four in the league, and that's obviously where the game was moving, is moving, and will continue to move. Um, he's already bounced around the league a couple of times. He was on the Jazz, then ended up getting traded to Denver, then got moved from Denver to San Antonio. Um, he's always been able to shoot, and he has solid size for a four, so he probably still 
I think he still has a chance to to re up somewhere else. Um, he's done well for San Antonio. He's done okay. He's played twenty minutes a night. He started fifty three of the sixty three games, so they've been giving him more opportunity, more run to kind of show what he can do. Um, so I think he still has a chance to 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 stick on another team uh, once free agency hits. Um, but he just has to get that uh, shooting percentage up a little bit more. Not in terms of the because he shoots well from threes. He's around. He's in the mid thirties, but he needs to be more like uh, like a Davis Bertans kind of guy. You know, a dude who just throws them up. Um, Carl Anthony Towns shoots nine threes a game. Davis Bertans shoots around eight nine threes a game. If Trey Lyles got that percentage up, or those attempts up to six or seven a night. Um, while still hitting in that clip, he's making three threes a night. And that would be a val- very valuable commodity um, from the four position in this league, especially the way it's set up right now. So I still think he's got a shot defensively. He's okay. He's a good team defender. Um, so given the right opportunity, I feel like he could be a, a definite contributor in this league still. I'm going to go ahead and skip 13 really quick, and then I'll get to 14. Um, the 14th pick in the draft was Cameron Payne to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, he came out of Murray State, same college as John Morant, the second overall pick in this year's draft. Um, best known would be West, Russell Westbrook's dance partner. Um, they'd be hitting the folks before the games back in 16, 17. Um, but other than that, Cameron Payne really didn't do much. Um, he was on four teams in three years, got traded to the um or three teams in four years excuse me ended up getting traded to the bulls and then ended up getting on the Cavs as well just really couldn't find his niche in the nba he had a career average of six points a night wasn't really a good shooter his career three-point percentage was 30 32 percent and he was just a guy um and once that rookie deal was done um he was pretty much done for in this league so that's pretty much cameron Payne. shout out to the dance moves though and last but not least, the guy that I tried to save in one of my previous podcasts with the 13th overall pick, the Phoenix Suns selected Devin Booker out of Kentucky. Now, Devin Booker was kind of like Carl Anthony Towns, even though Cat was the first overall pick. You really didn't see the potential in him in college uh, in terms of him flourishing the way that he did in the league. He was the sixth man for that Kentucky squad. Um you didn't really see the ball handling or other aspects of his game shooting off the bounce. He was pretty much just a three-point shooter for them. But once he got to the league, um, that's it's kind of like with Carl Anthony Towns. Everything just unlocked. Um, once he got that opportunity in Phoenix, he just flourished. And in just his second year, he had that game where he dropped 70 points, um, which was insane. There was a lot of kind of weird stuff happening at the end, but 70 points is still 70 points. That's crazy. Um, He's been 22 a night since he came into the league. Um, Dude shoots lights out as a former three-point champ um, at the All-Star game. Um, He can pretty much score from anywhere, off the bounce, at the basket, mid-range, pull-ups from three-step back, side steps. Just watch some of his USA tape. Um, when they're going one-on-one playing King's Court, just watch some of the stuff that he does. Um, and you'll just see all kinds of talent coming off of this guy. Still incredibly young. Um, just been in a really unfortunate situation in Phoenix. Um, 
and he actually became finally became a first time All Star this year. So shout out to him for doing that. If he could just get some kind of help in Phoenix, then maybe he's got a shot at eventually winning. I feel like they're gonna get it right once, and he'll have one winning season there, and then it's gonna be another situation like Cat where he's gonna end up complaining two years from now, looking for a trade, and then I'll see Devin Booker in in Laker jerseys. So, I mean. It's inevitable. The Lakers stuff is always inevitable. So, I mean, hey, there you go. Yeah, so there you go. The the top 14 picks in the draft. Um, it's going to be a common theme for if I continue to do these things. You'll see and notice that uh, the NBA draft lottery is a crapshoot. There's certain Usually the top's the best, but it's, it's the top 14 is always a crapshoot of the 14 games that I named, you got maybe, what, three or four who are still contributing at a, at a high level. Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Chris Stapps, and then uh, Devin Booker. You got other guys who are still still have roles, still hanging around, like Miles Turner, Trey Lyles, um, and other guys who are just going to be, who are already either out of the league or on their way out, like Hazonia and, and Cameron Payne, so... It's fun to go ahead and look back at these things. Five years is a good mark to see how these guys are going to be panning out because it's make or break time with their contracts. Um, if they're out of the league, it's because teams don't feel like they're worth it. They want to go with somebody younger, uh, pay for someone that's cheaper, things like that. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed that exercise. Um, and I'll, I'll see if I go ahead and, and do another one of these. Um, yeah, that was analyzing the 2015 draft. Alright guys, thank you again once again for listening to episode 6 of the Good Look Podcast. I was your host Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney. Uh, Going to continue doing these episodes here. I'll see you guys next week when I drop another one. Uh, if you have any topics or ideas for me, just let me know. Message me on Twitter or Instagram and I'll try to get your topics on here. I'll put up another mailbag, maybe not for the next episode, but more down the line. I'm going to start hitting up some of uh, some of my peoples to try to get some guests on the show as well so we can keep this thing going, keep it interesting, and, and hear some different voices here as well and then see how that works. So once again, I want to thank you guys for your time. Appreciate it. I'll see you next week.